and welcome to Counterpunch Radio. My name is Eric Dreitzer. Thanks so much for tuning in, finding the show. If you're a first-time listener, welcome aboard. Returning listeners, what can I tell you? It's an addiction. Uh, I know, the dulcet tones of my voice and the biting commentary are just irresistible, but luckily I have great guests to help me hold this whole thing up. They hold up more than half the sky when it comes to Counterpunch Radio, and today is no exception. But before I can jump to my guest, I do want to do my pitch for Counterpunch. Um, I think that Counterpunch is the best uh, political commentary website and analysis, uh, well, it's really kind of a multi-dimensional platform, I guess. We do it. We do print on paper. We have an online version. We have this podcast. We have merchandise. We have all of our wares to hawk at you if you'll support us. And if you would like to do that, please get yourself a subscription to the print magazine. Keep us going. Keep us printing and keep our printers in business and helping put their children through college. <laughs> uh, print is important. I really do believe that. Um, I have a, a, a few different publications that I support solely for the purpose of trying to keep publications that are printing in my home and uh, in circulation. So Counterpunch is one of those. Please support us that way or just make a donation through PayPal uh, or, you know, pick up the phone, do what you usually do when you support independent media. Anyway, uh, Mike Fox is with me today. Mike Fox is a returning guest. Mike Fox is an expert on what's going on in Brazil. Um, He's down there reporting on all of these very, very exciting and uh, tumultuous developments in that country. He's been on the show a couple of times, and I know that the feedback that I've gotten has been so positive. I'm sure there are a number of people really happy to hear from you. Mike, welcome back. Thanks so much, man. So uh, for everyone who doesn't know Mike's work, mfox.us is the website, at mfox underscore us on Twitter. You can see his work at The Real News, The Nation, uh, in, in these times, formerly the editor of NACLA, the North American Congress on Latin America, uh, etc. So Mike, you got a lot of credits. Mike, you got a lot of work going on. So many developments in Brazil. Help catch us up to speed. What happened in the last couple of weeks? What do we need to know? Goodness, what hasn't happened in the last couple of weeks? Um, well, the, the 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 big news that has really been kind of earth shattering uh, was about a week and a half ago we had the beginning of revelations from the Intercept, um, which is Glenn Greenwald's outfit, uh, which is based both here in Brazil and also in the U.S. Uh, and they had received a, a massive trove of messages. Um, from former Judge Sergio Moro and lead prosecutors, the corruption prosecutors, the Labajat, the pro- corruption prosecutors. So they've got these messages, um, and up, in, up until beginning of last week, they had only been able to read through roughly 1% of the messages. This thing is massive. Glenn Greenwald has said he's got, they have one to two years worth of stories. So it's huge. And they've been rolling out uh, stories over the last week uh, and, you know, some of them are more impactful than others, but they're all just massive. And basically what they're showing is how uh, Judge Sergio Moro, uh, who had always said he was very impartial in these corruption uh, investigations. Of course, Sergio Moro was the judge who convicted Lula uh, for subso- supposedly accepting a beachside apartment from a company seeking government contracts. Uh, sorry, uh, listeners, just as a reminder, uh, Lula, when we're talking about Lula, former pre- former president, uh, Lula, who is currently imprisoned, that is at the center of a major corruption scandal. Right, Mike? That is exactly it. Thanks for thanks for going back. And this is important, obviously, because he was uh, 
was one of the most important presidents in the history of Brazil. Uh, huge approval when he left office, lifted millions out of poverty. And just last year, he was the front runner in the elections. And because he was convicted, because he was in jail, uh, he was barred from running. And obviously that opened the door for far-right President Jair Bolsonaro to win office just this last October. So that's why uh, that's key. Lula's still in jail. And that's been a huge rallying cry uh, for the left is that he is innocent and he should be released, particularly now where uh, these messages, what they show is massive bias uh, and collusion between Judge Sergio Moro with the federal prosecutors in the case against Lula. So you've got situations where Sergio Moro uh, was, was, was speaking with them very candidly over, like through the Telegram application, that's where these messages come from, uh, in which he's saying, hey, why hasn't there been an operation lately? Hey, if I were you, I would kind of reorder the, the direction of the operation. Hey, why don't you release a press release uh, responding to the defense? Uh, and and even more, uh, even scandalous things have have, have come out recently, which will which I'm, I know we'll get into today. Um, but so that is that is extremely key. What we also saw in these messages were the federal prosecutors themselves scheming behind the scenes over the uh, over the, in, in this Telegram group. Um, at one point in, in the end of September, just before the elections, a few weeks out, basically trying to figure out how they could stop. Lula from being able, from being permitted to give an interview um, to the Folha de São Paulo, which was a newspaper that had been approved by the Supreme Court. They had, they had said, yes, he's allowed to give this interview in the lead up to the elections. And these prosecutors just showed that they were extremely biased and basically uh, trying to scheme in order to stop him from being able to give these, uh, give this interview. So you also saw at one point in, in, in this first uh, release of the messages about a week and a half ago was that Delton Dagnall, who's the lead prosecutor, federal prosecutor in the case uh, against Lula, he himself came out uh, admitting that he didn't think there was enough evidence to try Lula. And also he didn't understand why they were the ones that should be trying. It should have been done elsewhere. So like I said, there's been a, a number of releases. I don't want to get into them all right now. Because um, this is kind of a, a very quick overview, but it's 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 been scathing, uh, and it's it's added even more fuel onto the need of you know that Lula needs to be freed, that he should not have been jailed, uh, and then that obviously throws into question the 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 entire election of of Bolsonaro, but the whole history. So the Lava Jato investigations, the car wash investigations, were mass. Massive corruption investigations into corruption within uh, the 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 uh, Brazil's Petrobras um, state oil company, um, and th then you know they they've been just ongoing and, and spiraling. Hundreds of of of, of pol Brazilian politicians have got wrapped up in this. They're the largest corruption investigations in the history of Brazil, uh, and Sergio Judge Sergio Moro has been at the head of them. Now, it's important to remind folks that right now, Judge Sergio Moro is now no longer a judge. He's now the minister of justice in Bolsonaro's government. Um, after uh, Bolsonaro was elected to office, he asked him to be his minister. He left being the judge, and now he's the minister of justice. Um, and so again, these very leaks throw into question not just his decisions when he was the head of this whole car wash scandal investigations, but also 
uh, his role as Minister of Justice in the government of Jair Bolsonaro. So the car wash investigations were very were were, were extremely huge for many people in Brazil. Um, who saw them as kind of trying to upend this long history of corruption for Brazil. But a lot of people, particularly those on the left, um, saw them as extremely politicized. Uh, the fact that they were specifically going after top members of the Workers' Party, specifically going after uh, folks on the left, particularly specifically going after Lula, um, and leaving aside people uh, like on in from the from kind of the the, the staunch enemies of the Workers' Party, which is the PSDB, the Social Democrat Party, which is kind of the the, the right wing sector, right? Um, and so, kind of, they they were never really touched. And in fact, there was a release just today, uh, which is extremely important because in it, um, Judge Sergio Moro <clears throat> mentioned to the lead prosecutors that look. Um, because they had some, they had some dirt on former President Fernando Enrique Cardoso, uh, and they were thinking about diving into investigating him. On one side, they said this would be good uh, because it would show that we're impartial. So they themselves, the, the investigators themselves, were talking about how they needed to kind of work public opinion and to make it seem as if they were. Uh, as if they weren't biased. So on one right. side, <laughs> keeping up the appearance, the the appearance of an impartial investigation, and I guess um, just to kind of build on what you're saying and open this up a little bit further, this raises the question that this and actually, listeners, if you want to go back to Mike's previous appearances on this show, as we've talked through this scandal over the last, I guess, two years now, uh, that. The charges that what we were seeing was essentially a parliamentary coup against a left-wing government in Brazil, that those have now been borne out as fact. We have now demonstrated through these leaks and elsewhere that not only was there collusion, that there was collusion for the specific intent of overthrowing a democratically elected government. Well, right. And and it is important because talking about the parliamentary coup, obviously that's what happened with the impeachment of Dilma Rousseff uh, in 2016. Um, that's when Michel Temer came to power uh, with the, the PMDB party in alliance with the PSDB. These are the people that we're talking about just now with Fernando Enrique Cardoso. And then two years later, Lula seems like he is just riding this wave to come back to power um, because there was of all the corruption within uh, Michel Temer's government. All these people had to step down. Uh, and Lula was the front runner by far and then he was obviously barred about a month and a half out from the elections. And so that's why this is so key, because he was the return of the Workers' Party to power and the return of kind of uh, a developmentalist, a return of, of bringing of a focus on poverty alleviation and lifting millions out of poverty. And obviously that was stunted by uh, essentially Judge Sergio Moro and these investigations. Now, to take it to another step is when they're talking about, oh, we want to make ourselves seem you know, impartial, we want to make uh, ourselves not seem so biased. So in that same message, Morta responds, uh, well, okay, but we don't want to hurt someone whose support was important. So careful with investigating Fernando Enrique Cardoso. Now, the, the dirt they found on him, and this was all leaked today, I mean, literally two or three hours ago, you've got messages in, in, in which Enrique Cardoso is, is communicating with Ultabrex. If you remember Ultabrex, was the main construction company that's been at the middle of this scandal. We're talking about people wrapped up in in, in other countries because of Ulzebrecht and because of the, the kickbacks that they were paying to, to different governments and just in, in, in so many different levels. Um, and so here we have 
Fernando Ricky Cardoso, and we're talking about emails that were leaked and actually sent to this group of prosecutors in which he's asking for money from Oldbrecht uh, for, 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 for campaign contributions. It, here it's called Casa Dois, which is um, money is paid, um, basically bribes and, um, or, or donations, but obviously none of it declared. So the institute, the Fernando Enrique Cardoso Institute, since he's a, a, a former president, he has his own, his own institute, Lula uh, does as well, roughly somewhere between $500,000 to $600,000 was paid to him in, in monthly installments uh, during, from 2011 to 2012. Um, they have that, and when they receive this in the group messaging chat, kind of all these prosecutors are like, oh my God, this is amazing, this is, this is, this is huge. Um, but then within a couple months, the whole investigation against him is stalled and it goes nowhere. Uh, and he's no longer under investigations, according to chats that, that, that came out in, in some of these same groups a little while later. So basically what you have is a situation where Lula is, is, is attacked. They go straight after Lula because that's who they really want. A situation with Fernando Enrique Cardoso where all the evidence is super clear. Um, but Moro himself says, listen, let's not go after him. We don't want to hurt him because he's one of our biggest supporters. Uh, and, that, um, and that investigation is completely stunted. It's just dropped. So this is what is, 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 is at the heart of what the corruption, the, these Lava Jato corruption investigations, this is what's coming out of these messages. And this is why it's so scathing. Like I said, that one was just leaked about two hours ago. So there's going to be massive repercussions for Fernando Enrique Cardoso um, and for Brazil. I mean, this thing is rocking Brazil and it's fascinating that The Intercept is at the, at the head of it and we've only seen like the first few leaks. Um, one of the other leaks that that is also just huge and of course this one opens up a whole other can of worms which I know we'll get into here but we really don't know the, the, um, the extent to which uh, what this actually means is in one of the, the, the messages, which was leaked just a couple of days ago, and it was a message from August uh, 31st, 2016, which if it wasn't the day that Dilma was impeached, it was the day after. And in it, um, uh, Sergio Moro, former judge Sergio Moro, is, is chatting with uh, prosecutor Deltan Diagnol, and he's asking him why there hasn't been an operation in a while. Operation is kind of like, you know, uh, we're out in the streets, because uh, they like to keep the profile up, right? Uh, and at the point, Diagonal says, well, yada, 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 we're essentially, for this operation, there's a se several things that are happening right now, but we're also waiting on the articulation. We're waiting with the collaboration uh, with the Americans. Now, this opens up a whole other can of worms. We know that uh, uh, officials with the Department of Justice have been working in Brazil hand-in-hand -hand with Brazilians on the car wash uh, investigations. We also know that the NSA was spying on Petrobras and top uh, members of the Brazil, you know, former President Dilma, top members of, of, the, of the Dilma government. Uh, and that was before the beginning of the car wash investigations. What we don't know is how everything links together. And we don't yet know what that means when we're talking about this, this, these relations. We're waiting on uh, the communication with the Americans. But we, but we can obviously, it, it, it's fairly safe to assume that we're talking about members of the Department of Justice because for a, a period of time, Brazil and the United States have has had kind of an under the table, essentially illegal um, agreement to be able to share 
uh, information around corruption investigation proceedings. Um, and so we know that this was happening, but we don't know the extent to which, uh, it, it, like it, exactly what the level is. I think that we're gonna find out a lot more uh, and this, these could, it could be rolled out in a couple of days, it could be rolled out in weeks, it could be rolled out in months. I think we're gonna get a lot more information from other areas also. Uh, and because, but this thing is just massive and it doesn't just impact, um, it doesn't just impact Brazil because this same, these same investigations linked in uh, the Peruvian president who, who had to step down or, 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 or for, former president. They linked in even, even Jorge Glass, who's the, the, the former vice president of, of Ecuador. So the old break, this, these, these corruption investigations have been massive. The question is how extensive has the role of the United States been uh, and at exactly what level? But what we do know, um, what we've seen so far is huge. And, and, and like I said, this is only the tip of the iceberg. No doubt. And that's a lot of information for people to chew on. And so let's try to parse it out as much as we can. And and where I want to begin is by taking a, a little bit of a broader uh, view of these recent developments. And specifically, my question to you is, how is this information uh, translating in Brazil? We'll get to how it's translating in street politics and mass movements and so forth, because that's, of course, really critical to understand. But how is it translating on a popular cultural level? How is it translating in the media? What are people saying on the talk shows? What are the pro-Bolsonaro people saying? I mean, as of a few weeks ago, there were even people in Bolsonaro's camp who were talking about the, his government collapsing, his government's support having eroded almost literally overnight, uh, a government in crisis. And now this, I mean, it seems to me it's got to be teetering on the brink. So help us understand what's the Mood. What is the uh, temperature like in Brazil? Well, obviously, on on the Lula supporter side, the mood is jo jovial, um, <clears throat> and they feel very much revindicated uh, because you know people knew people were very clear about Judge Sergio Moro's bias going back years and his connections to PSDB. Um, but now you're actually seeing it on paper, uh, and so you know Lula supporters. Uh, are, are, are extremely excited about what this means and the potential that it could have for even Lula potentially um, being released from jail. Uh, just very quick kind of a parenthesis, but the Supreme Court is going to be hearing uh, a case, the Supreme Federal Court, in about 10 days in which they're going to be looking at the case against Lula uh, and, and particularly around the, the situation of biased within um, within the, the the decision by Judge Sergio Moro. So it's hard to say exactly uh, the chances that Lula might have, but the more these leaks come out, the more pressure there is from kind of grassroots, the more possibility that they may decide to overturn something, which would be huge for Lula. Um, now, obviously, Bolsonaro supporters are still very much uh, you know, backing backing ju former Judge Sergio Moro and on and on board with with the Bolsonaro government. In many cases, what they say is, well, these leaks don't prove anything. Uh, you know, what they just you know, of course, you're going to have judges speaking with prosecutors. That's not a big deal. Or um, they'll say that they're um, they're skewed or they're biased or they've been manipulated. One thing that's been very huge to come out of this, which is extremely concerning, is just in the last couple of days, you've had 
a massive attack job against Glenn Greenwald and The Intercept, basically um, using manipulated text, using manipulated images to make it seem, in one case, um, there was a situation where, where Telegram responded uh, uh, to the leaks um, saying that, well, we, we have no evidence that they were hacks, right? Because the, the big question here in Brazil among many people is if these, how were these leaks acquired? Um, were they acquired, was it someone that hacked? Did the Intercept pay for this? Um, were they acquired illegally? Um, or were they, uh, were they kind of passed by someone who was kind of on the inside? And this is important because obviously the media uh, and Bolsonaro supporters and, and, and Moro supporters, they kind of want to deflect from what, what, what is the information inside the leaks and they want to get at this situation of illegality. And that's something that obviously Moro has talked about. It's something that Delton Diagnol, the, the lead prosecutors talked about. Bolsonaro, as many different people are now trying to deflect from that and focus on the illegality. So in order to do that, um, they've, someone online took one of the Twitter messages from, uh, uh, from Telegram in which they said, no, uh, we have no evidence that it was a hack. And they, and they, 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 they transformed it. They edited it to say that, uh, we have evidence that these messages were, uh, uh, were basically changed. Were basically, uh, these are not the real messages. And then that went viral on Facebook. So that's just one situation. What you also have uh, even more concerning is a case where they were trying to make it seem as the intercept, as the intercept had paid Russian hackers uh, roughly three hundred thousand dollars to to do this hack job. And so, someone online they created this whole uh, it, it it was like a one pager in which it appeared as though um, it showed transactions, monetary transactions from using cryptocurrencies from one place to another. Uh, and they tried to, to tag this on to make it seem as though The Intercept had paid all this money to a Russian hacker. Now there was all these, uh, these, these mistakes within this document. Um, and in fact, Glenn Greenwald tweeted out, listen, if you're gonna um, create false documents to, 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 against me or The Intercept, at least make sure that you spell things correctly in English. Um, because in one situation you had the monetary units for Brazil, which were, which were transformed instead of commas and periods, they used the, the periods in English and the commas. So it was all flipped around. They had other words that were misspelled correctly. So it's very clear that it was a hack job um, and that they were trying to, to, to just kind of attack um, Glenn Greenwald and the intercept to make it seem to, to, to kind of to, to, to ruin their credibility. And that's what we're going to see continuing in the coming weeks, in the coming months, um, this move to try and block and, 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 and decrease the, um, the, um, kind of the, 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 the sense of, of, of who and, and what these messages really are and what these messages mean in whatever way, shape, sure. or form. Of course, um, muddying, muddying the water, muddy the narrative as much as possible, make it impossible for people to parse fact from fiction. I mean, it's the it's the classic fake news uh, strategy. And in fact, that's really my next question to you. Before we go to the break, I want to tie in the fact that, and we talked about this the last time you were on the show, Mike, that that campaign that Bolsonaro won was in many ways powered to a large extent by fake news, by manipulated information spread on WhatsApp and social media networks and so forth. And it seems like now that this bombshell has dropped, they're simply going to that well one more time, trying to use the same tactics that they used to put him into power in order to keep him there. 
Absolutely. And in fact, it is interesting that you mentioned the elections because just this week, um, the head of a Spanish WhatsApp company, a, a company that does its own kind of, that sends messages out for, for companies, blitzes, um, confirmed that roughly 3.3 million message, illegal messages were sent out weekly uh, in support of the Bolsonaro campaign in the lead up to the elections. And they were purchased by Brazilian companies paying somewhere between three to four million dollars for each of those packets of, of, of WhatsApp messages. Now, part of that you know, came out in the lead up to the elections, um, but here you have the actual, the, 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 the owner of the company confirming that, that that had happened, and also confirming the number of messages that were sent weekly. Um, so no, that's, that is exactly what's happening. Um, or the other thing that you see is people just, just, just saying, like for instance, Bolsonaro's son um, came out and said, listen, I haven't seen the messages, uh, but he basically called into question um, the, w what they were and, uh, and, and basically said, well, I, I just don't, I just don't, I just don't believe them or I just don't think they're important. I, I, I think that Judge Sermordo has done an excellent job. He's done a very important job. And, uh, and that's just, and, and um, we just need to stand by that. So that's kind of the, 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 the two, the two world visions, the two worldviews you, you've seen so far. And they've been, and they've been battling it out on, on social media. Um, and that's, I think, what we're going to continue to see. What we are not seeing is that, you know, this is not, um, like you mentioned, uh, Bolsonaro's government is, 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 is not in good shape right now. Um, and obviously, infighting is huge among the different sectors within his government. Um, but this is not necessarily shaking his government per se. What it is doing is shaking, specifically focused on Sergio Moro, shaking kind of the the apparatus that led his government to come to power um and uh but you know we're, we're gonna see and obviously he has said he would stand by his justice minister um but that also he wanted to um to look into things deeper you know bolsonaro said um but i think that they're just trying to play damage control at this point it's uh it's a it's 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 a massive massive leak and like i said it's going to be um, the impacts are going to last for, uh, they, they have the potential to literally change Brazilian politics uh, or change the Brazilian reality, political reality right now. And what about uh, the the supporters that Bolsonaro has had? Maybe not maybe not necessarily supporters, maybe people who didn't necessarily like him from the very beginning and, and were begrudging supporters, but ultimately sided with Bolsonaro uh, in order to keep Lula and the Workers' Party from returning to power. What about them? The, the prominent talk show hosts, the evangelical leaders, the ones who are influential uh, for Bolsonaro's base and so forth, because, you know, we can, we can talk all we want about the various fanatics of for Bolsonaro, whose uh, unwavering support is pretty much taken as a given, but there were a lot of people who were begrudging supporters for Bolsonaro. Are any of them wavering, and do we see any of that uh, seeping through into the popular media? Listen, even before these leaks came out, Bolsonaro's uh, approval had already dropped. You have more, uh, according to a poll from roughly a month ago, you now have more people uh, who reject Bolsonaro's government than support it. Um, it's roughly at least of, of during, according to this poll, it was around 34% um, support for the Bolsonaro government. And that's because Bolsonaro himself has, has really um, shot himself in the foot on numerous occasions. Bolsonaro is Bolsonaro. He's not going to change. Uh, and the more that he be, he is himself, 
uh, the more people realize that this is just um, just it, it's it's just the government that's that's can, can completely flipped on its head. Um, and the infighting does not help. I mean, the infighting within the government, you have um, military officials that are battling it out with um, supporters of Olavo de Carvalho, the the kind of guru, far right philosopher. Um, and so 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 already his his government is kind of is is sliding in in the in the polls. And obviously, there's people that came out that voted for Bolsonaro that are saying, listen, this is not what I voted for. Um, I think that many of those people, some of them, there's no doubt that some of them are are are, are kind of questioning reality and questioning what um, what they believed with the with kind of the, with this car wash investigation, this car wash scandal, questioning um, the the impartiality of Judge Sears and Mordo, no doubt. Um, it's still too early to tell the the real impact. I think that that's going to have. Uh, on the middle and long term within the Bolsonaro government. Um, the the Bolsonaro supporters who are Bolsonaro supporters, and I'm not necessarily even mean the, the fanaticals, but you have to remember that there has been over the last um, over the last year in particular, a very massive, massive campaign against the left. I mean, not just a year, we're talking about a decade, but in particularly over the last year, to taint everything, the Workers' Party and the left, as kind of the, the 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 evil um, the communism as 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 the the evil that 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 ruined Brazil uh, for you know for for this population and for generations to come uh, and many of these people still believe that you still have a growing evangelical population that gets completely on board kind of with that narrative you still have a a, a, a growing kind of groups like MBL the the Free Brazil movement the libertarian groups like that, that are very much on board um, with, with that ideology. And of course, um, Olavo de Carvalho and, and his supporters are, and that support, they're, they're growing, they're not shrinking. So the, 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 the ideological war is still growing. And I think very much uh, in support of, of, of Bolsonaro and support of these ideas, that's not going to go away. That's something that's going to be increasing for, the, for, for, for years to come. Um, but definitely, what these leaks are doing are kind of shaking the reality and, and shaking the foundation of the beliefs that many people had, particularly with regard to the car wash scandal and particularly with regard to kind of these, these massive corruption allegations. And that means also with respect to, um, to the Workers' Party and Lula in particular. And that, I think, is something we need to get into is to talk about Lula, uh, you know, at, in the second half of the show. Well, you might as well be hosting it because you led me right into the break beautifully. Thank you for that, Mike. We're going to take a quick break. Um, on the other side of the break, I do want to talk about Lula. I want to talk about the, the, the situation now and uh, what we might uh, expect moving forward, you know, potential scenarios, let's call it that. Uh, and then from there, I want to talk about Trump and uh, Steve Bannon and the far-right networks that we see operating internationally because they are integral in what we've seen happen in Brazil over the last 24 months. Months, and I want to talk a little bit about how they might fit into all of this uh, moving forward. And of course, most, maybe, well, I don't know about most importantly, but equally important, I also want to focus on what's going on in the mass movements, what's happening in terms of street politics in Brazil. So a lot more to talk about with Mike Fox. Again, you could get all of his work at Real News and uh, all of the other places where uh, his stuff appears and on the website mfox.us. Come back for the second half of the conversation. I'll be right back. 
back here on Counterpunch Radio. I'm chatting with Mike Fox as he's reporting on all of these uh, groundbreaking, earth-shattering developments down in Brazil. And there was so much information, Mike, in that first half of our conversation that I hope it's not overload for people listening, but there are a lot of nuances, lots of ins and outs, and lots of information to absorb on all of this. And with that in mind, I want to try to apply what we've learned um to the situation with Lula. I mean, we've already talked about potentially uh, decisions made by the Supreme Court in Brazil, but um, what does this actually mean for the political movement uh, for which Lula is a figurehead, if not directly the leader? Uh, How does this translate politically? So there are two major unifying campaigns right now in Brazil. Um, The first is the movement to free Lula. Uh, and this has been very, very clear, very conscious, very organized. Um, going back to the one-year anniversary of his jailing in April, um, free Lula committees were founded in, in that, are, that you know, those, those areas that didn't already have their free Lula committees um, were setting up free Lula committees in, in regions and cities all around the country. The idea that they need to kind of return to the grassroots to be doing their community organizing, which was very key. That was one, you know, that was one of the major critiques that a lot of people had of of, of the Workers' Party um, for the many years that the Workers' Party was was in power was kind of the the lack of of connection to kind of the the grassroots and the communities, and that's something that that the the larger movement of the left in Brazil is now very much focused on, particularly with this idea of, of trying to free Lula. Um, and the other thing is obviously uh, the, the campaign against pension reform. And we'll get into that, I'm sure, in a little bit. Um, but so that has, that has been huge. It's been very important. And obviously, these leaks coming out right now uh, have, been, have been a huge uh, lift for that movement and for the left that, like I mentioned before, feels kind of revindicated um, and is also kind of helping people to be able to organize around this. During the, the, the general strike that we had here um, on June 14th, and it was a general strike against the, um, 
the, the, the pension reform. But one of the main um, themes, one of the main things that people were also calling for was, um, you know, to, to free Lula. The fact that he's in jail, um, that he's essentially a political prisoner, that he was jailed in order to stop him from, from, from running for office last year. Uh, and it was, a, it was a, you know, because of a biased judge, Sergio Moro. And it was interesting that the general strike came literally just five days after the release of these leaks. And so I feel like in a lot of ways that helped to, 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 to fuel even more people to, to focus on the issue of Lula in particular um, on, on, on June 14th. And how do we place the other elements of the left into this broader struggle, whether around Lula or some of these other issues? Because we've we, and we've talked about this uh, in previous appearances, Mike, and actually listeners, I would also recommend you go back and listen to Brian Meyer's appearance on this show a few episodes back where we talked about a lot of these issues as well. But uh, where does the left, uh, such as it is, fit in to this outside of the Workers' Party? Some of the uh, socialist groups, including the ones that were inspired by Mariale Franco, the uh, assassinated leader from the favelas there. Uh, how do these other groups fit into this? Are they simply part of a broader movement? Is there a formal coalition developing? Is there any uh, organizational elements that we can point to that say that a, coale- that a movement is truly coalesced? Well, you have, I mean, for the, there's been a movement coalesced against for you know, since the since the impeachments, before the impeachment of Dilma Rousseff under the Frente Brasil Popular, the popular Brazil front, um, which united unions and left parties with uh, with social movements. And when I say social movements, that means, you know, the obviously the largest social movement in the region, uh, the, the MST, the Landless Workers Movement. And then you have several urban um, uh, different urban movements and different urban groups that are that are all kind of united as social movements. And they were at that point united against the impeachment, united against the Temer government. Uh, and now united uh, to against the Bolsonaro government and to free and to free Lula. This general strike that happened just recently had the 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 largest um, <clears throat> kind of coalition of different unions that came on board for that general strike, and then obviously social movements were 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 in the streets on mass as well as students, and that's something that we we haven't talked about yet. But the student movement has been huge, you know, in the very end of uh, April. The Bolsonaro's government announced a 30% budget cut at federal universities and federal high schools. And students within two weeks, um, millions of students were marching around the country in, in, in a mass demonstration against the budget cuts. Uh, Bolsonaro, that same day, he happened to be um, traveling to the United States and he called them useful idiots. Uh, and that even fueled the fire even more. Um, two weeks later, students and teachers marched again all around the country. And these were all kind of leading up to the general strike. So the students have really become key um, against in, in this movement, A, against Bolsonaro, also against the budget cuts for education, but also um, against the pension reform, understanding about the impact that this pension reform, if approved, would have uh, on workers. But also students are very clear that they are the future workers. Um, and that they have their whole lives ahead of them. Um, and if this, this, if this reform is, is, is approved, it'll, it'll decrease benefits and drastically increase the number of years in order to acquire those benefits. And so students have been extremely out in the streets. But I think that's been one of the, you know, this, this unity of kind of the, the grassroots forces, unions, students, teachers, workers, uh, and social movements have been obviously really key in Brazil in recent years. But more and more, 
this this union, and that was really clear. You know, forty five million people um, struck on on June fourteenth. Mil- uh, you know, hundreds of thousands were in the streets, um, and all of them united uh, against pension reform, against the budget cuts, and in favor of and uh, you know, calling for Lula to be released from um, from jail. So this this movement. Um, organizing, I think what we, we are seeing this, this this coalescing, the increasing coalescing of kind of the of this of this organizing and movement against Bolsonaro, and it's key at this point within the within the Bolsonaro government, six months in, um, and kind of the, the 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 tide in in many ways for for it, it, you know is shifting, and people are, are are very clear about what what could happen. The, the, there, are, there are major questions, particularly with the with this intercept drop. They dropped it at an, an extremely opportune time, you know, coming right before the general strike, right before the Supreme Court is going to be hearing this case about possibly Lula's freedom. Um, and uh, and you know, we're going to see how that's how this all kind of plays out in the in, in the coming weeks. And I'm reminded in in reading up on some of this, and of course Greenwald's uh, participation in all of this, I'm reminded of a story that came out right in the midst of the coup against Dilma Rousseff, in which, and if I remember correctly, it was Greenwald who broke the story, although maybe I'm misremembering that, about Temer and or one or two of his deputies uh, essentially flying to the United States, and there was, you know, there there were uh, some theorizing about whether they were just simply taking orders or whether they were you know, kind of having a meeting to strategize or what exactly they were doing there. But it does it does now once again raise the question that you brought up in the first half of the conversation about what exactly the United States has been doing in all of this. And in fact, that extends well before Trump. This goes back into the Obama administration in terms of U.S. subversion of the Workers' Party and, and of the left government in Brazil. So help us to understand, I mean, is this bringing back a lot of those same questions? Are we now viewing this in a, in a different light, given what The Intercept has broken recently? I would say that those same questions have always, have, have, they, they've, they've been here for a long time. People are very clear um, <clears throat> that about the impeachment of Dilma Rousseff, um, how that was essentially a congressional coup. Um, people are very clear about the the fact that the United States has 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 always had kind of uh, has always kind of been backing these processes, um, but more and more and and obviously very clear about NSA spying. Um, we still don't know the exact way and the exact connections that that link one thing to another. But we know that the that 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 the U.S. government was very very interested in in Brazilian petroleum and um, Brazilian oil. We see the same thing happening in Venezuela. Um, right, only only the Trump administration is extremely vocal about uh, you know calling for you know military inter- intervention and 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 coup d'etats there. They have no qualms about that. Um, but again, it's another location where oil is extremely key, uh, and it's something that um, that we know the U.S. government has been interested in for a long time and not interested in. You know, the, the relations with the Bolsonaro government. Bolsonaro has traveled to to the United States twice, once to Texas. Another time to Washington, he met with, uh, with 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 former President Bush in Texas. Apparently, that was um, kind of random, where Bush didn't even realize he was going to be showing up. They hadn't organized it ahead of time, and he kind of just, he just arrived there. Um, but so Bolsonaro, what we've seen with his government has been, you know, he's completely flipped um, 
from what the reality was, uh, obviously under the Workers' Party, and, and was, that was starting to happen, like you mentioned, under under Temer when when his aides uh, were you know, traveled to Washington, you know, in, in the very 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 beginning, right, just after um, you know, Rousseff was was impeached, you had someone who was in Washington uh, trying to you know organize with people there. Um, but you've seen this this extremely close ties uh, with the with 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 the Trump administration, um, and they've also signed deals for the use of the Alcantara missile base um, in Maranhão, right? So that was huge because that had been blocked for for decades, literally. Um, and Bolsonaro is ex- is very excited to do whatever he can um, to to kind of be to be the U.S. henchman, the U.S. Uh, best U.S. ally possible in the region, and whether that means talking bad about Venezuela, or whether that means um, uh, you know organizing to to to, to help the U.S. Um, move into the region as best as possible, he's going to do it. What we don't know is is how much the U.S. Uh, is or has been kind of pulling the 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 strings, playing puppet master in the background. Um, it is interesting that someone. I was I was looking at um, uh, someone had an analysis uh, that I saw just a couple of days ago that said when 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 the coup happened in 1964 um, and people were talking about the role of the U.S. government, they said no 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 the, the U.S. government that's come on that's this this is Brazil right we 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 already know the Brazil uh, Brazil military and their interests here we don't have to talk about the U.S. government but now here we are you know. 50 years later, um, and it's you know a, a, a similar situation. The U.S. government is still playing the same game, and that same person said, "Listen, I get it. Uh, we we know that the U.S. government uh, is 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 playing a role in some form. What we don't know yet is exactly how." Exactly, and one of the reasons I'm harping on this is is not to you know keep simply reiterating the point for the sake of it, but rather to try to draw out for for people the fact that the um, subversion that the United States has been involved in in Brazil is multifaceted, and it's not specific to Trump and Bolsonaro and the and the working relationship between these far right fascist you know shitheads, um, but rather you have a number of different, um, let's call it power blocks that have been involved in uh, Brazil, including the Koch brothers who have been funding movements in in Brazil for quite a while, including some, you know, far right, so-called libertarian, free market, anarcho-capitalist type uh, ideologues, especially within the student movement. So there's that element of sort of right-wing extremism from a Koch brothers capitalist perspective. And on top of that, you have now the Trump Trump administration with these close ties to Bolsonaro and Bannon kind of being this sort of evangelical, I don't know, John the Baptist or some shit for fascism in the 21st century. So the the involvement of the United States here is is it's not simply the Trump administration, but rather a much broader um, apparatus. It is. And I think that's why it's important to talk about ideology here in Brazil, ideology when you, so when you say ideology, it's particularly usually the, the right or the far right talking about left ideology, talking about how uh, Marxism has infiltrated the universities and how um, they're, they're, they're you know, destroying children's minds and things like that. But really what you have is a situation where those ideologies that you just mentioned, this kind of uh, capitalist libertarian ideology, 
has been sown by the Koch brothers. Now, I was at I was at a, 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 a it was called the Freedom Forum here in um, here in Florianopolis just uh, a month or two ago, and those types of uh, meetings are happening, and they're happening around the country. And so, like that's why I, I, these types of, these um, these movements are growing, and these movements toward these these right wing or far right philosophies are growing. Well, you know, when Bolsonaro was in Washington, uh, I believe it was his very first day. He had a meeting, like there was like a dinner with all of with with Bolsonaro, all of his his supporters of uh, far right guru Olavo de Carvalho. Olavo de Carvalho lives in Richmond, just two hours from Washington D.C. He was there, and if I'm not mistaken, Steve Bannon was also in the room, um, and so that just shows kind of the very close ties. I believe it's Carlos Bolsonaro, Bolsonaro's son, who is now the representative of Bolsonaro's um, movement, right? His, his international far-right movement organization. Well, it's Carlos Bolsonaro who is kind of the representative of that group in South America. Um, and Bolsonaro has, has actually gone on the record. This is uh, not Bolsonaro. Steve Bannon has gone on the record. This is when Bolsonaro was in uh, the States talking bad about um, Bolsonaro's own vice, vice president, Moron, who himself is from the military. Um, but, and, this is, and this brings up some of these tensions within the Bolsonaro government. Basically what you have is kind of military force. You have more military, former military officials in Bolsonaro's government, um, in his cabinet, than, than any cabinet since the end of the military dictatorship. Um, and the tensions are happening, however, between those military officials and kind of the, the more far-right uh, supporters of Olavo de Carvalho uh, and these more ideologically um, connected with kind of the Steve Bannon movement. Um, and those are tensions that are happening it out. It's fascinating, but actually the military officials, many of the military officials are creating a neutralizing role um, within the Bolsonaro government. In fact, Bolsonaro let go his former minister, secretary minister, just a week and a half ago. Um, we don't know exactly why, but something that came out just a couple of days ago is what that, that secretary minister had rejected on two occasions a television show um, that they're now trying to do with Olavo de Carvalho. So Olavo de Carvalho wants his own television show. The proposal, the project was brought up to his office on two different occasions and he rejected it on both occasions. He was let go about a week and a half ago. So these are some of the infighting. These are, this is some of the realities that's happening within the Bolsonaro government. But absolutely, this is, this is key and it's really important. Like I said, Bolsonaro's plan, his goal, is to try and kind of fuel this, uh, these, this, this kind of far-right ideology, backing Olavo de Carvalho, and as much as possible, destroy any areas or attack, at least, uh, any areas of kind of leftist organizing. Uh, and leftist resistance. So, for instance, why the budget cuts at the university? Right before um, Bolsonaro announced, or the Ministry of Education announced the budget cuts there, Bolsonaro tweeted out that he was going to cut funding for sociology and philosophy departments. Well, once he realized that he wasn't able to actually tell universities what they could spend their money on, or specifically cut funding uh, for you know philosophy and sociology departments, he said, well, we're just going to cut 30% um, we're, you know, 30% funding for universities, federal universities, fine. So he, they're, so they're trying to attack the areas where they think are bastions of kind of leftist support. Another huge area is obviously, um, you know, uh, in environment, right. And, and indigenous organizing, 
Um, obviously, there's been a massive attack of Bolsonaro on um, on the Amazon. You have the 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 largest deforestation, the highest deforestation rates we've seen in Brazil in over a decade, uh, and and some of them are in in I believe May had the highest deforestation rate since they started to um, since they started to measure uh, deforestation levels uh, in Brazil. So these types of things are extremely concerning. Bolsonaro said he's going to open up the Amazon to to mining. Uh, and to uh, as much as and, he's, that he, and that he's going to stop titling indigenous land. Um, there have been massive pushback. Uh, indigenous held a very big march in in Brasilia, three or four day march against the Bolsonaro government, demanding that land title return and also to defend their rights. Because to hand in hand, what we've seen are uh, are this this massive push of, of land grabbers. And of of people trying to occupy loggers, trying to occupy uh, indigenous land around the Amazon region, um, and basically they have carte blanche to do what they want because they've cut funding um, from the institutions that used to go out and and used to to uh, you know to, to to block loggers from being able to move on to indigenous land. So this is all happening kind of behind the scenes. Um, but again, indigenous areas a very important. Uh, focus for kind of the left and for grassroots organizing. Unions are key. Um, and obviously there's been ma- major pushback against the unions under the Bolsonaro government. So kind of each of these areas, wherever they can possibly attack the left, they've been doing it, um, you know, as, as much as possible. Uh, in just the last minute or so that we have remaining, I, I want to just ask you how well, not how you see this playing out, because uh, you don't have a crystal ball, of course, and things are so in flux. But, but rather, what you're what you're looking for, what you're um, kind of have on your radar in the short term and in the medium term. I mean, what are some things that people, if people are wanting to follow the situation in Brazil from afar, what are some of the things that you think people should be looking for? Maybe upcoming benchmarks or or, or litmus tests or what have you. Uh, how do people understand? the short term in Brazil? Well, A, these leaks are going to continue to be huge. And, and like I said, you know, they're, they're, they're rolling out at roughly one every two or three days. And each one of them, each one is, is a bit of a bombshell. So it's going to be interesting to see how these play out uh, and the impact they will have. It's going to be interesting, particularly interesting with the leak just tonight about what that will mean for Fernando Enrique Cardoso, um, and how Moro is going to respond to this, um, and how the larger uh, Lava Jato, um, you know, investigation is going to respond. I think it's also going to be interesting the media coverage of this. Uh, Globo is 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 very much as much as possible backing Moro, um, and and there's been the the mainstream media has been off and on again with uh, with Bolsonaro, but essentially. Um, we're going to see, you know, if, the, if you if you follow Global, which is the mainstream, it's the largest media outlet. They literally made or break elections and presidencies going back decades. Um, and uh, and seeing what they're reporting on, seeing how they're reporting is kind of a tell for what the markets like and what the mainstream media is looking at. We've had some actually really important reporting from the Folio de Sao Paulo, which has been independent, has been really, really 
pushing and pushing back against the Bolsonaro government, surprisingly so, against the Bolsonaro government. Um, and I think the organizing too, the grassroots organizing, we're also going to see, you know, the, the, the pension reform is going to be key. Is Bolsonaro and his supporters, are they going to be able to pass this through Congress? Now they've already, and here, this, this, uh, I know this is hard to get into quickly, um, but one of the key things that, uh, about the pension reform is that there was, a, there was a major push within the pension reform to actually push toward capitalizing it, privatizing um, pensions, taking them out of the, the social security sphere and make it so that individuals had to pay into their own pensions without it being well, part of a larger system. Now, they took that off the table, but there's still word that they may be waiting for pension reform to be, to be pushed through, and then they're going to add that on top of it. Now, it's gonna, that is going to be a big question. Are they going to be able to do that? Uh, will pension reform be pushed through and how will kind of grassroots movements be able to respond to this? Um, these are, these are some of the larger questions. And of course, the biggest question of all, I think is what the Supreme is, is how the, how is the Supreme court going to react, um, when they pick up Lula's case again at the end of the month? Um, are they going to, uh, with, with, with these, these just, these leaks as leaks continue to roll out. Are they going to? Are they going to? to, to are they going to? Are they going to vote to 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 set Lula free, or is how this going to play out? The way it's always been in the past is it's kind of try to push things under the table, roll things un, under the un, under the rug, uh, and and even if you know it's roughly biased, then then just play you know play the game because you don't want to you want to rock the system. Is the Supreme Court going to stand up to that? Uh, at this point, these are some of the major questions we're going to see. And if they don't stand up to it, what's going to be respond, the kind of the grassroots response? One final note that I think is interesting. Uh, it took a while to get um, to get students, to get movements, to get unions out in the streets on mass. I think a lot of people were very nervous about the 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 first days of the Bolsonaro government and what the crackdown, uh, what the response was going to be like. Obviously, we've seen under the Bolsonaro government an increase, an uptick in the number of deaths, right, in the killings, police killings against people, particularly in the in 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 poor neighborhoods, in poor communities, um, and obviously we've seen continued repression by the military and by the police uh, against movements and social movements, but we haven't yet seen kind of the massive crackdown roundups that many people were afraid of, and I think that. The, the big marches, uh, the big student marches of the 15th of, of May, the 30th of May, and then obviously the, this, the general strike of the 14th of June are, are, are going to add fuel and add fire um, and, and confidence to kind of grassroots social movements to, to continue in the streets and to keep pushing. We're going to see what the response is from the Bolsonaro government. So much to follow. Many fireworks still to come, to be sure. Mike Fox, thanks again, as always, for coming on Counterpunch Radio. Guys, you got to follow Mike's work. He's probably the best reporter I know doing any work in Brazil. Um, I follow his work religiously. mfox.us is the website, at mfox underscore us on Twitter. You can also find his work at The Real News and a bunch of other places. Mike, thanks again for coming on the show and helping us understand what's going on down there. Thanks so much for having me, man. Listeners, thank you as always for listening and supporting the show and we'll chat again real soon.